The following audio is from Gold Country Baptist Church in Shingle Springs, California. Visit gcb.church to find more resources and to learn about our church. I want to start with a quote, actually from this book uh, by Christopher Yuan. And here, here it is. This, is. this was a prayer from his mother's journal. I'm not sure where quite in, in the timeline of his journey. But she said this, I'll stand in the gap for Christopher. I'll stand until the victory is won, until Christopher's heart changes. I'll stand in the gap every day, and there I will fervently pray, and Lord, just one favor, don't let me waver. Don't let me waver. If things get quite rough, which they may, I'll never give up on that son, nor will you. And though the enemy seeks to destroy, I'll not quit as I intercede, though it may take years. I give you my fears and tears as I trust every moment I plead. That's quite a prayer, isn't it? And I think that's, that's the prayer of every mother for their children is that God would save them and that he would change their hearts and radically transform them. And so I just want to encourage us with that, that if you have children that are not walking with the Lord, pray like that. And we're going to get to some really practical other things as well as prayer. But the other, the other encouragement from this mother's testimony is that she would pray and fast she would fast. She would. I think. I think it was every Monday. Uh, she would. She would fast all day and pray for her son. Um, and God. God radically saved him and transformed his life. So just an amazing, amazing story here. Well, we're gonna kind of have three parts this morning. Uh, part one is how to prepare and protect our kids. How to. How as parents can we help our children uh, be ready to face these issues in our world. Part two is kind of the frequently asked questions, and, and I've given you all of the, the text of my own notes, which is a lot of kind of ad, adapted stuff from this helpful little book here, so, so we'll kind of cruise through some of that, but I realize that's, that's some really practical uh, rubber meets the road kind of stuff. And then a third section, how to engage others, namely the LGBTQ person. So let's start with kind of part one here. Part one, how as parents do we prepare, prepare and protect our kids? And, and the reality is that, that these things that we're talking about, the, the, the agenda, LGBTQ agenda is, is everywhere. Uh, it's at Target. Uh, it's in food uh, advertising, clothing, cartoons, uh, everywhere. In fact, I mean, if you, if you have Disney Plus or you're watching Disney movies, you, you have to look up those movies to see if there is LGBTQ stuff in them. And uh, often with modern Disney movies, it's, it's right there. It's right in front of your face. And it's not explicit, but it's sneaky. It's subversive. It is, but it's there. They're, they're trying to normalize these things as though they should be accepted as good and right and, and acceptable. And, and so you just ha- we have to be on guard. Um, and as and I don't know if I put this in, the, in your notes, but but you literally have to stay in a bubble if you uh, uh, to keep your children from these things. Um, but he, here's kind of the first recommendation, the first encouragement is is don't don't hide, don't hide under a rock. You have been placed into a world uh, that desperately needs the gospel. Jesus prayed, Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world in John 17, but that you. Uh, just as I have been sent into the world, so I am sending them into the world. But Jesus' prayer was that they would be protected, they'd be kept from the evil one. 
And that's exactly what we believe in the perseverance of the saints, that God, by his sovereign power and grace, will preserve his people, his believers, all the way to the end. That means mission accomplished. We don't have to fear. We don't have to, we don't have to cower uh, in, in the face of all of these kind of scary issues. But we can be confident and bold. And we don't have to hide, but we can be courageous for the sake of the gospel. So, so don't hide under a rock. If, if you think that this isn't, these issues aren't going to affect your, affect your kids, uh, it's, it's likely that uh, you're, you're already kind of denying reality. These things are, are out there. They're not just out there, but they're, they're more and more in our face. And our children are the number one targets for the, for the gay and LGBTQ agenda. And they will be exposed to it in some form. And so no matter your schooling decisions, whether home or private or public or a mix of all of that, uh, your, you and your, your family need to be aware of all of these issues, even as, as ugly as they can be. And, 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 as, and as kind of yucky and maybe um, gross as it may seem to address these issues, uh, it is a powerful movement. Um, and it is, it is terrifying in the sense that it is, it is sin that is destroying people's lives. But, but Paul, uh, Paul warned us, rather Peter warned us in 1 Peter 5. Here's what it says. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So we live in a world where there's a, a real devil. There are real demons. These are real things. Uh, and people have a flesh that is bent against the worship and adoration and service of God. That's, that's in us. And so we have to be watchful. We need to be sober-minded. We need to be serious about life because... Um, these issues are serious. We can't pretend that the movement is just kind of ridiculous and it'll just kind of blow past because it's, it's not. It's, it's here to stay um, until Jesus comes again. And, and, and I think we can anticipate it will get more serious and more in your face and more uh, a- adversarial. And so from the highest levels of government, throughout entertainment, within education and professional sports, uh, and, and in all forms of uh, electronic medium, we are getting the LGBTQ uh, movement literally forced uh, upon us. And it's being normalized and we're being forced to believe these things. Um, and so that, that's the first thing is we, we, need to, we need to understand the world and the culture that we're in and not hide from it. But the, the other thing that parents need to do as parents, and I'm learning this constantly, right? I, I have seven-year-old and down, so I'm... Uh, you know, almost eight. I am. I am in the middle of thinking through these things, so this is especially uh, um, relevant to me. But parents, we need to address these issues with our children before the world does. We have to. We have to be talking about these things before the world does, because the world is trying to talk to them about these things. They, they want to inform them about what what normal sexuality is, what things are acceptable, and what things are not. The world is seeking to influence your children if they haven't already. In fact, I, I would say it is, it is probably impossible, near impossible for us to tr- truly and accurately discern how much the world has influenced our, thing, our, our thinking on sexuality and, and all of that. In fact, it, you know, just meeting with, with uh, some folks this weekend, um, just helping them realize that, that at, um, 
as, as you come into marriage, they're, they're an engaged couple, um, just, just remember that whatever you think about intimacy and marriage, your thinking guaranteed has been influenced in some way by the world around you. It's, it's impossible not to be. So what do we need? We must inform and, and transform our minds by the renewing of our minds through the word of God day by day about these things. And that's, that's our job as parents. And so they need to know about God's design for marriage, for intimacy for, and families. They need to know what God calls sin. We need to know that. Um, you can't read through the Bible and, and miss all of these important things. It's, it's really all over. God talks about these issues often and, and everywhere. Um, and before they're exposed to the world and its uh, sinful thinking on these things, they should know what God has to say about it. And so parents, that's very simply just if we're reading through the Bible with our children, we're reading through the Bible with our families and we're explaining text after text after text. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be lengthy or, or, or you know, this real in-depth, you know, exegetical study. Just reading the scriptures or reading through a good, good little catechism. What's the one you guys are using? Stormans? Truth and Grace. Truth and Grace catechism or one I'm using with my kids is called, my family is called the uh, the, the Catechism for Christian Growth. There's the New City Catechism. There's all sorts of helpful tools like that that are just little bite-sized chunks that actually walk through these issues in, in a kind of a, a systematic way as you study theology systematically. And, and you'll come across those things and you'll get to talk about them with your kids. So talk to your children so they know what God's Word has to say about these things. And, and at whatever level is appropriate, right? About how God made male and female in His image, Genesis 1, and created marriage between a man and a woman. Talk about those things appropriately. Show them where the Bible says in Psalm 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That, that the way that God has made people is exactly as He designed and intended. And, and no matter how He made them, God desires and intends to save people, male or female, out of their sin and to, and to recreate them, to make them new creations in Christ with new desires and, and a new way of life. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God didn't make a mistake when he created boys and girls. And we're, we're, we're to teach, we're each a, a beautiful and unique creation. That's amazing. So, so teach them that. Uh, and, and I would encourage parents, uh, we looked at this text last week, Romans 1, kind of 21 to 32. I would encourage you, memorize that text with your kids. Help, help them memorize that. that. That will inform them as they encounter these issues in the world. Oh, where did this come from? Where did this all come out of? It came from man's rejection of God exchanging the truth for a lie, the creator for the creation, and, and then it was just this downward spiral into debauchery and, and wickedness and the sexual revolution that we find ourselves in today. So memorize that text with them. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. Study it with them. Memorize it together. Help them see the results of rejecting God and his design because they will be told at some point that, that homosexuality is not sin, Right? They will be told that. Oh, that, that, that's fine. That's good. That's, you know, that's just normal. That's just who you what? That's who you are. That's your identity. They will be told that. And so if they have a biblical uh, um, paradigm for thinking about these things, they'll be able to reject that as a, as a lie. As, no, that's not true. 
that is a that is a distortion of the truth, and they'll be able to stand for what is good and right. Um, MacArthur said this. <clears throat> in fact, if you have a MacArthur Study Bible, I think it's in the notes from Roman on Romans chapter one. Says this: uh, Man's search for meaning and purpose will produce only vain, meaningless conclusions. And when man rejects the truth, the darkness of spiritual falsehood replaces it. Right. So that's the world that we find ourselves in. We have we have uh, we have stepped we, in our sin. We're in darkness. And what we need is the light of the gospel to expose our sin and to rewire our thinking about these things. And, and parents, that's our job. Grandparents, that's your job. My parents just saw my oldest nephew uh, embrace Christ, who's 15 years old now, after 15 years of loving and praying with him and being bold with him when he and his brother come over to my parents' house who live in Spokane for, for the weekend. They bring him to church and, and they have spiritual conversations with them. And they're in public schools, and they're in an unbelieving household too, too, because they're they're split up. Their parents. Um, after 15 years, my my nephew told my parents, "Hey, I, I've I've become a Christian, and he's gonna he wants to come to church with them and get plugged into youth group, and he's met some friends at his school who go to the church in Spokane there. So so just remember, grandparents, you have a vital role. If if your unbelieving children say, Grandma and Grandpa, don't don't talk to our kids about spiritual things." You have to be courageous. You have to be bold. You, you can't just flip a switch and turn your Christianity on and off, right? Be bold. Be, uh, be creative. Have books laying on the tables, right? Talk to them about uh, what Christmas means at Christmas time when they're over. Do, I just want to encourage you, be courageous. I've, I've seen my parents do that, and God has, I believe, mightily worked in my, in my nephew's life. So anyways, parents, grandparents, uh, if you're not married and you're a youth, you're serving in youth ministry, be, be bold and, and talk about the things that, that you know parents are also teaching their kids. And be, be discerning, be careful. But as a church, we want to support what parents are doing and teaching in their homes about these things. Okay, so, so that's kind of the second point here is, is be <clears throat> proactive. Uh, if, if your kids are older, they have, they, have a more, uh, they have more probability of being exposed to these ideas at school or at work, online. Um, and, and there's another thing I want to just mention there in a moment. But uh, ask, ask your children if they know people who call themselves transgender or LGBTQ. Just ask them, do, do you happen to know anyone who talks about themselves that way? I'm just curious. Have you met anyone like that before? Um, when you go into a grocery store and you see a man dressed as a woman, talk about that when you come out of the store. Did you see, did you notice anything different when we were in there? Did you notice anyone dressed differently or strangely? And, you know, my daughter says, oh, there was this, there was someone in this really beautiful white dress. Well, that was as we were driving through Gil, Gilroy, uh, on our way up the coast a few weeks ago. And, and that's all they saw was this beautiful white dress, but it was this large man dressed in a, in a white dress. And so as children, right, they're, they're seeing, they're perceiving, they're picking up on things, but they're, they're not catching everything. But it was obviously a man dressed as a woman. And you can talk about those things. And how might you do that? You don't mock them. You don't make fun of them. You don't chuckle and sneer. But, but you, you, you teach them to have pity and compassion and say, how, how, might, how might we love someone like that if our neighbor showed up 
a woman dressed as a man or a man dressed as a woman? How might we involve them in our lives so that we could share the love of Christ with them? Be creative and talk with them about those things appropriately. Uh, Discuss what they've seen or read or what they will see and read. Uh, Point them back to the blessings of following God's principles and, and the destruction that comes with rebellion. Remind them that the person living the, in the LGBTQ world in, the, in that delusion is not a satisfied, happy, content human being. They are, they are searching and they have longings. They have desires that are distorted. There is discontentment. There is sadness. There's loneliness, brokenness, all of that. Uh, that what, what looks clean and shiny and great on the outside is, is really not. Well, if they're outside of Christ, whether they're dressed That's right. differently, yeah. whether they're, act, they're outside of Christ, yeah. there's no true joy. There's no joy or contentment. Yeah. Amen, Judy. Yeah. It's a sin. That's right. Amen. So, so that's, that's true across the board, and, and especially especially the sins that we are gravitating to as sinners, that, that we are seeking to identify ourselves. This is who I am. Uh, th- this is my... A person, I am this thing, and because that is that is kind of getting at the core of who, who this person is trying to be. So, so you're absolutely right. And then, especially as just as we watch watch folks live these lives, uh, it is it is especially sad, you know, to hear stories and to hear interviews and testimonies of people who have either been living in an LGBTQ uh, life and come out, or yeah, there's just all sorts of sad, scary things that they've encountered. Um, and so we need, to, we, need to, um, we need to think about how to engage them and talk with them. We're going to keep doing that this morning. But the second thing, or third thing, parents, be confident. Um, Christians can often find themselves in a position where we're speaking the truth. Feels, it feels harsh, right? It feels like you're doing something wrong. And, and why is that? Why is it that sometimes speaking the truth in evangelistic encounters, uh, especially with you know people who are dealing with these really hot button issues right now. Why can it feel like you're being harsh or, uh, um, or rude? It's countercultural. It's countercultural. Right. However, we have to check our hearts. Yep. Yep. That's true. Yeah. So check our hearts. Yep. It's countercultural. So, so it's the, it's going in the opposite direction of, of the, you know, the, the current of the world. So you're like, wait, it feels like I'm doing something wrong here because everything out there is telling me I should be going this way, but I'm going this way. Okay. Why else is it? Maybe that's the biggest reason it feels rude or harsh. Any other ideas? Maybe you felt that. Well, just to tell anybody that yeah. they're wrong. Right. It is not going to go over for you. Yeah, that's true. There, there's something really human about that, right? To, to Even to correct your children, you're like, all right, I have to do this, but I'd rather not because it feels like it would just be easier not to, uh, or let alone correcting someone who is saying, hey, this is who I am, and you, you're saying I'm wrong. You're saying I'm a sinner. You're saying I'm uh, I'm not who I think I am. Yeah, correcting someone is is, is difficult. So, so it feels like we're doing something harsh or rude by speaking the truth, but the truth is not rude. The, the truth is loving and lovingly communicated and delivered uh, is powerful. It is powerful. I think that's the ticket. Lovingly yeah. delivering that message. That's right. In their heart, when God's given them over, they're 
haters of God, violent, yep, that's proud right. boasters, inventor of evil things, yeah. disobedient to parents, undiscerning, <clears throat> untrustworthy, unloving. Yeah. And you can see those characteristics when you interface with those folks. Yeah. They instantly get really angry. Yeah. And it's like, right. hey, I'm not trying to yeah. be angry with yeah. you. I'm just saying you you have a hole in your heart and a hole you're trying to fill with mm. all these people and all these episodes to try to yeah. justify your existence, but you yeah. you've fallen out of a of a normal and you never yeah. can fill it until yeah. you get back right yeah. with God. You know, it's tough. Amen, Mike. And to Judy's Mark, point, the the, the the, the truth is that all people outside of Christ are, are doing that same thing, right? They are, they are seeking to fill up their lives with things that will make them happy, will satisfy their souls, but, but really are not. And so, so that's where and we'll kind of get into some strategy and some, some, uh, uh, yeah, some, some approaches to conversations here in a little bit is, is, is really that we don't have to make the main thing in our evangelistic conversations their LGBTQism. Right, and we're get, we'll get there because probably you'll be asked a question like, "So I'm, you know, so I'm I'm gay. Do you think I'm going to hell? You think I'm going to hell, right? Or you think that you know I'm I'm unforgivable? That's what you think, right? You Christians, right? But if we're not, if we're so we gotta there's this there's there's some strategy here for how to keep the conversation going, and we'll get to that. But Mike, great point there. So our children, think of this: our children, and <clears throat> this is really profound when you think about it will be the adult peers of a very lost generation of souls. This is from an article from uh, uh, Expository Parenting. Um, This gal wrote this. Our children will be the adult peers of a very lost generation of souls. Kids who are convinced that they needed to surgically change their sex are growing up with depression, confusion, are often suicidal. Children are being abused both sexually and mentally in the name of sexual freedom. We need to disciple the generation that will preach redemption to them and so parents that that's our job that is our job um to to disciple and train and teach our children along these biblical lines so that they will be able to reach their generation with the gospel um so we need to we need to prepare them and prepare ourselves for that but also there there is an aspect that we we need to shelter our children we need to prepare them, but we also need to shelter our children. They're, they're going to be exposed to this whole movement as they go out in public. Uh, they might encounter toys from Fisher-Price, uh, the, the drag queen fig, uh, figurines on the toy style. There's uh, Oreo cookie packaging uh, at the grocery store. Uh, there's entire lines of children's clothing that are put out at Target and all sorts of things. And, and, and literally every corporation is flying the, the, the rainbow flag in, in uh, solidarity with the LGBTQ movement. Now, some of them are starting to see that, actually, this isn't, this isn't a great move here because a, a large part of our customer base don't uh, agree with the things that we're, that we're pushing on our customers. Um, but exposure doesn't have to mean immersion. Just because they're exposed to it doesn't mean you have to immerse them in it. They don't have to watch every movie. They don't have to have free range uh, on on Disney Plus or on YouTube. They don't do those things. Be careful. There is a, a component of sheltering our children. We need to be wise and we need to be careful. We're to be proactive and we're to be prepared to talk about these things as they come up. Because you, you, could, be, you could be the most sheltered in the world 
Uh, but they li- your kids live in a, in a technological world. They are exposed to the internet. They are smartphones. They have a friend who has a smartphone, even though you might not allow them to, whatever it is. And they're, they're living in this world. So we have to be prepared to talk about these things, even as we're sheltering them, seeking to protect them from them, but to talk about them as they come up. And I think that just speaks to the power of a, a Bible-centered home a home that is, that is not afraid to, to open the Bible anytime a topic comes up and say, hey, let's see what God's Word says about that. God's Word speaks to this issue. Let's, let's go there. Let's look to see what God, the creator of all things, says about that issue, and let's, let's dig in. Now, be a, a Bible-centered home. Wives, help your husbands. Uh, encourage them in, in tenderness and love to, to open the Bible with your kids at breakfast or at the dinner table. Uh, get, get some time to, to say, hey, you know what? We don't do this very often, but, but we're going we're gonna to change things up a little bit. We're going to spend some time. We're going to spend five minutes a night, three minutes a day, whatever it is, talking about a biblical, a, a, a biblical text, a verse, and we're going to expound it. And you can make some of those verses, Genesis 1, 26 to 28, and, and talk through those things for a week. Ask, see what questions they have. Change things in your home. Wives, you can encourage your husbands. Husbands, you can lead your families and, and grandparents. You can, you can help do these kinds of things. Help support your, your children's efforts to raise their kids by doing these same kinds of things with your grandkids. And, and overall, let a biblical view of male and female marriage and the family be, be the standard uh, that's most prevalent in your children's upbringing. Um, and let the world's confusion be, be as minimal as possible, minimal, minimal in influence, so that, it's, so that it's shocking in a sense every, every time they see it to go, wait a second, no, 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 that's not right. I know that's not right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flee from that. Um, we don't want our children to become desensitized to sin and to confusion. But we do need to be aware that the, the reality of these things is everywhere. YouTube, uh, on their commercial, children's programming, social media, it's all saturated with it. Parents, please don't give free access to the internet uh, on iPads or phones or computers to your kids who aren't responsible yet to have access basically to a world of horrors on the internet. Now, there are blessings with the internet, of course, but it is full of horrors. And so parents... Guard, guard your children in that, in that regard. Don't, don't give them something that they're not ready for yet. Uh, and I, I think, you know, families who've walked through this, the Greggs and Altertons, and I'm sure any of you who have teenagers have had to figure out, okay, how are we going to walk our children through this, the, down this path of giving them responsibility and having accountability and all of that. And there's lots of tools that you can use to limit the things that your kids are able to see online. But um, but if you can't know for sure what your kids are seeing, make sure that there's supervision. Uh, that that's that's topmost in your mind when these friends, when friends, or or when they come to visit, or when they're visiting friends in the world. Um, okay, we're gonna kind of move through through some of these last few ones here. I think you know another as we think about preparing our children. Um, we need to be really clear. Let's just focus on this next one here through our words, just briefly. Um, we need to communicate gently that the LGBTQ community is lost and confused. They are lost. They, they are confused. They are seeking satisfaction in a lifestyle of sin because they have rejected God and his design for them. Uh, we need to be really clear on that. 
And yes, some of them choose, they, they go down that path because of all sorts of sad things in their past, things they've been exposed to, even abuse or neglect or parents and families that were broken. And so they're, they're, they're gra- they gravitate toward uh, uh, these, these distorted, corrupt desires. And they need our prayers and they need our evangelistic love. They, they, they need to hear Christians tell them that they're loved and, and that we care for them, not only children but adults as well who are trapped in this sin. And as Christians, we have the opportunity to show the love and compassion, show love and, and compassion to adults and kids who are deceived by the LGBTQ movement, the way that we talk about them in our homes and in public. Uh, they show our kids... Uh, how we talk about them should show our love for Christ. And, and in Matthew 22, uh, Jesus taught us that all of God's commands can be summed up in, in these two. Remember what he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, even the, uh, the militantly LGBTQ neighbor. Right? We must love them with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and love them as ourselves. So parents, be careful with how we speak about folks in these sins to our children. Don't, don't speak demeaningly to them. Uh, don't speak down about them. Don't, don't uh, ridicule or mock them. Uh, some things are mockable, right? And, and, and they need to be. They need to be seen for what they are. This is, this is ridiculous. This is foolish. This is, uh, this is insane. Uh, some things ought to be spoken about that way. But as we're talking about people with souls whose desires are twisted and distorted. They've been deceived by Satan himself and by their own flesh. We need to remember that these people will spend eternity in heaven or hell. And how we talk about them really, really matters. So we want to be, we want to have pity. We want to have compassion. We need to think about how to reach them together. Maybe just one practical idea. Uh, <clears throat> in the last section there, if, if you have, if your kids are at, at a charter school or they're at public school or they're playing on a soccer team or, or whatever it is, and, and you know that your kids have friends who are identifying, or kids, if you have friends who are, or, or classmates, whoever it is, are saying, oh yeah, I'm, I'm gay or I'm trans or whatever it is, you don't have to shun them out of your lives, but tell your parents, say, hey mom, dad, how can I, how can I love these people in my life? How can I show them the love of Christ? They're, they're so confused and, and they're so uh, confused in their thinking. What can we do? I think a really practical thing you could do is invite friends to your home. You don't have to send your kids to their homes, but you could have, in fact, I know a family who's doing this soon. They're having a, a pizza party, hangout, and they're going to invite friends from school. And some of them have, have already expressed these kinds of things to, to their kids. And so they're just saying, you know what, uh, we're going to have home court advantage here. We're going to be the ones to initiate and, and try and help our kids uh, stay engaged in, in loving careful, bold, and courageous conversation uh, and, and show people trapped in these sins that, that Christians don't hate them, but they love them. And they want more than anything for them to know the joy of, of having Christ as Lord and Savior. And so, so, so be courageous and be bold and, and use your home. Be hospitable uh, to, to folks in, in your community. So that's just a practical thing. There's some frequently asked questions. It's kind of part two. Um, This is one that I've, I've encountered uh, in, our, in our congregation, right? There are, there are 
again, we have several hundred people in our church. And so certainly there are parents and there are people wrestling with these things in our midst. Uh, and probably some of us in this room, either if we haven't already, we will. Our children will ask these questions, or they might they might have seen or heard something, and they're gonna they're gonna wonder about these things. Or uh, here's the the scenario: our five year old son dressed up in his sister's princess outfit. How should I handle this? Now, how many of you have ever had a little baby brother who dressed up in his sister's princess outfit? Me? Oh, okay. I didn't have any brothers. We five boys in my family, no sisters, so there's no princess outfits. But I have a son, and he has two older do- two older sisters, and they love to dress him up and you know have fun with him. And you know he's two years old, so what's he gonna do? Um, so he'll come walking out of the the bedroom with you know with princess slippers on and and uh, you know uh, an army helmet on at the same time, right? It's like, okay, am, do I freak out? Do I panic? Oh no, no, he's he's confused about his gender. Uh, no. Um, first, the step one is don't panic, right? Don't don't freak out. Don't panic. Um, but probably this is just a kid experimenting as all of us, as children do. Uh, I, even though I had no sisters, I had a, a, a neighbor kid down the street who was a girl. She had three sisters and I was four years old and we'd go over and I was playing with Barbies. I didn't, I didn't think any differently about it. It was like playing with Barbies and eventually you go, I don't want to play with Barbies. I want to play with GI Joes, right? That was just, that, that just happened. Now, was that wrong or sinful for me to play with? I bet every boy in here is, at one point, if you had a sister or a friend who's a girl, played with a doll. Uh, they're learning. Children are, yeah, you just want to, you want to play. You want to fit in, right? So parents, don't panic. Uh, it, it could be that your child's doing something out of uh, amusement or looking for attention. Um, but here's just some practical help. And this is, these are things that I'm just doing right now with my own kids. Uh, if, you know, if that kind of behavior continues, you just gently, but clearly bring that behavior to, to an end, right? You're the parent, we're the parents or grandparents. You, you have that kind of influence in your children, in your grandchildren's lives. Um, use the moment as an opportunity to teach and reinforce how God made him a boy. And that's a good thing. Uh, that's a really good thing in his image. And, and, uh, God is pleased when boys dress to show that they're boys, right? And when it's really obvious that girls are dressing to show that they know they're girls. Encourage a boy or a girl, you know, who's doing these kinds of things. Uh, showing how daddy dresses differently than mommy. And that's a good thing. Look how beautiful mommy is. Isn't, isn't, she, isn't she beautiful made in God's image? Look how handsome daddy is. He looks great when he dresses up in a tie to serve communion. And, and the men of our church serve our congregation in that way. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that cool? Uh, uh, affirm those things in their minds. Uh, redeem the moment, uh, even as you graciously guard against uh, uh, wrong, you know, uh, wrong extremes of of these things. Um, and and I think another thing that we can do is is just affirm in our children's minds that what what God did is it's good. This is good. Right, God made man, and it was good. And but it wasn't good that that Adam should be without a, a helper, a suitable helper. And so He created Eve to be a a gracious and a wise helper and a support to her husband, who would help uh, who would help rule and and exercise dominion over the the new planet that God had just made. Uh, our roles are significant, and they matter, and they are glorious, and they're from God. Um, I think another, you know, that, that next scenario there, my eight-year-old daughter says she's a boy and wants to dress and cut her hair like one and she wants to change her name. She's insistent. What is my response? Now, maybe that seems silly, 
Um, but if you're a parent and, and your child comes up and, and says those things to you, uh, and if you've never had those kinds of things said to you, that, that could be very shocking and, and, and jarring and catch you off guard. And in fact, this, this answer here is, is adapted from, from this, this book here in their FAQ section. Um, and, you know, we're just kind of highlighted the first, second, third, fourth points there. First is realize and assume your parental responsibility. You have authority in your home, parents. Uh, you can say, we're going to do this and we're not going to do this. This is good and this is not good. This is helpful and this is not helpful. Uh, that is your job. Uh, there's, um, Stuart Scott has kind of coined this phrase that children are individuals under authority. Children are unique and they're individual and they, they, are, they are who they are. But they're under authority and that is a good thing for them. They need you parents. They need us as parents to exercise gracious and loving authority to say, uh, no, we're not going to do that and here's why and here's what we're going to do instead. Um, and so we don't let our children drink and drive uh, uh, until they're a certain age. Um, and so your children aren't allowed to insist that, that they're um, – that their will prevails against yours. Parents, you, you cannot allow that. Uh, that's, that's your job is to help, help them learn what is good and right and that there are consequences to sin and to wrong actions and behaviors and, and to get to their heart, to help them to see that what they are doing at all times in their life and what they're saying is the overflow of their heart. That's exactly what Jesus said. Uh, when, when he said that the, the, from the mouth, the heart speaks, it is the overflow of their hearts. And so you teach, you teach your children that, um, that the name that they have is given by their parents. They're not allowed to change that and say, well, I don't want to be called Jack. I want to be called Joan. Well, you're not allowed to do that. Sorry, not, not here. That's not your name. Um, you're not allowed to act certain ways in our home, and this is a good thing. You're not allowed to change those. You don't set the rules. Second, use the opportunity to teach children about God's design for two fixed sexes, male and female. Um, how, her, how her body, how his or her body is given by God to show her who she is and that it's to be respected and that she's to, uh, to see it as good. And then for, third, you should, you should take her back to the gospel, whether she's a professing believer or not. Show her that we all have disordered feelings that don't align with God's will. And that's exactly why we must cry out to God, God, make me a new creature in Christ. I want to I please you. I want to have a heart that loves you and follows your commands and obeys you. And fourth, it's a matter of parental wisdom. When to let your children begin to have a say in what they wear, or how they appear, um, you know, an eight-year-old that seems too young to say, hey, you can do whatever you want and dress however you want. Uh, absolutely. We don't let, you know, Adelaide came out yesterday and said, Daddy, can I dress in crazy clothes when we head out? And we just said, no, no, I, I don't want you to do that. Now, sometimes it's fun to wear crazy clothes and that's fine. But we were going to do something where crazy clothes were not appropriate. And that's exactly where, as parents, we exercise authority. They're from God. Um, and maybe just lastly, gender neutral clothing is becoming more and more the norm. Um, not saying that a girl can never wear jeans or must be able to, you know, sit on her hair because it's so long. That's, that's not the point. But what is the point is that it should be obvious parents, as we dress our children, that it's obvious that we know that they're a girl and they know that they're a girl and that's a good thing. And that we know they're a boy and that they know they're a boy. And then that's a good thing. And that there ought to be distinction. That's exactly God's design. Say things like, Hey, you look beautiful this morning to your, to your daughters or, or that's my girl, right? Affirm, 
the beauty of femininity and their abilities as women and as, as men. Uh, compliment your husband. Wives, say, doesn't daddy look handsome today? Isn't it great that daddy knows how to fix that thing or he's, he's strong and able to, you know, to do whatever it is that he's doing? That's not to say women aren't strong and aren't capable of fixing cars and things like that too, right? Uh, but, but affirm things that you see in male and female roles, God-given roles and abilities, and that those things are good. That's part of God's good design. All right, we're going to skip down to kind of our last section here. Um, oh, man, the gender pronoun issue. How many of you have encountered that in the world so far? Raise your hand. Okay, look around, look around the class. Everyone just keep your hands up and look around. Are you looking around? You're not all looking around. Uh, basically, more than half of the whole class have, have uh, encountered the gender pronoun issue. So I've got a bunch of notes there. Um, but ba- basically, the, the synopsis is this. As Christians, we are truth people. Now, that's not to say we take the Bible and we just angrily smash people over the head every time we hear a lie or every time they do something wrong, but we speak the truth in love. And so I am not going to say something that is going to reinforce a lie, specifically the kinds of lies that Romans 1 talks about as we exchange the truth about God, that he is God, he is the creator. He made male and female and said that it was good for a lie that says none of that matters it's all up to you i can do and say whatever i want i can be and 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 be and exist however i want as christians we say no we we cannot do that we must speak the truth in love and i realize that that's where the rubber meets the road some of you in your workplaces are, are faced with this you have to take tests compliance tests that you understand uh, the, the issues of gender pronoun sensitivity and, and, and all of that. Um, some of your jobs might be even jeopardized if you're not willing to, to go down the path a certain way. And I think there's, there's wisdom there, right? I, you know, I spoke to someone recently who said, I took the test. I don't have to tell anyone that, that uh, I affirm those things necessarily. I just have to say that I completed the test. And they did, and they didn't have to. They didn't have to basically compromise to say, "Yes, I believe this. I put my hand on the Bible, and you know, and I agree that these things are true." They're just saying, "Look, I, I'm going to keep my job, but until until someone is forcing me to say, yes, I, I will call you by your pronoun falsely, your your, your incorrect pronouns, they're they're gonna they're gonna stay in the game as as long as they can." And I know some of you are gonna have to face those issues very uh, acutely and, and you probably feel that pressure right now but we can avoid we can use wisdom and avoid using pronouns as much as we can i think that's the idea uh we're, we're protected by our uh, by the constitution freedom of speech you cannot force people to say things and so if someone says well you must call me they them uh and I don't want to say that too mockingly, although, again, it's one of those things like you're not a they, them. You're not plural. You are, you are one person and you are a man or a woman. You could, you could just very simply say, and maybe some of you have some, some experience in this. Um, could I please just call, call you by your name? Would that be okay? Um, or, you know, for, for, forgive me, I'm, I'm not quite, you know, I don't quite understand exactly what you're asking me to do here. Um, but, but, hey, can we get the job done? You know, and just kind of move on past it. But if they're saying, "No, you must call me this," or "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna report you to HR," you, you cannot cave. You cannot say, "Well, wait, no, don't do that." Okay, I'll, uh, I'll call you they them, or I'll call you she her when it's a man. 
you, you don't cave, but you do need wisdom. You need to be careful. Um, so, so on the one hand, we don't want to compromise by, by just saying, sure, whatever you say. On the other hand, I think there's ways to, like, like for instance, there was an example of a, a lady in our church who uh, was visiting a, a, a um, retirement home. And she had a friend there, and that friend passed away. And then on her way out, uh, was told that you, you can't come back here with unless you know someone in this place. And her, her point in being there was to share the gospel with women uh, in, in this convalescent home who, uh, who didn't have any friends, who were lonely, who didn't have the gospel. So we just thought, well, what's a way that you could, you could still do the very thing that they're asking you, even though you probably don't know someone? So, like, so the, the, the idea was go and see, see the person that you know. And then on your way out, meet someone new and say, hey, next week, I'd like to come and visit Jane. Is that okay? I'd like to set an appointment. Or I'd like to get a, a slot on the schedule, right? So we're, as Christians, we are, we are crafty, right? We, we want to be wise and we want to be, uh, we, we, we go down every uh, um, genuine and, and uh, legitimate path to get to the gospel that we can and without, without compromising. We also need to push back in the job market, though. I have yeah. worked, EID put out some That's good, Mike. stuff, and I pushed all the way back up till they wrote me the documentation to saying, if you don't comply, you'll be yeah. insubordinate up to and including termination. So what'd you but do, I Mike? I have that yeah. document that I can take to uh, higher authority lawyer-wise. Yeah, that's right. And we can push it into the court because yeah. they've pushed They've made me do that. Yeah, right. That's one way you could at least document your that's good. and say, hey, I don't believe in this. Yep. This is wrong. You know it is. Amen. You know, my HR director is a Christian. Wow. But they wrote me the letter, so now I have that. That's awesome. In my pocket to put forth the counsel. Absolutely. So appeal to those resources and, and, and you know, where freedom of speech and, and religion is being eroded, especially in the workplaces, right? Or you're being forced, you know, forced speech is being implemented by an organization like that, especially big companies, right? Big EID or, or PG&E, big companies like that. Um, a Christian employer, an employee or student or teacher, they, they might need to take legal advice. So uh, Pacific Justice uh, Institute or Defend, uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, right? These are, these are massive organizations that are s- standing for Christians in, in the courts to defend freedom of speech and freedom of religion and, and all of those things. So, so that's, not, that's not outside of the, the realm of, of possibility and, and um, our resources there to get legal advice. Chinese, yeah. They will put every abhorrent lifestyle, but they'll leave out mm. uh, male. Yeah, right. Heterosexual. Yeah, 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 yeah. Heterosexual. Right, right. That was my point. Was the yeah. training didn't have anything for Nothing. white, mm. male, heterosexual. No. Yeah. We named every other color of the rainbow wow. that they're supporting. Yeah. But they didn't include me, which was a yeah. form of discrimination. Yeah, right. So I took it. Yeah. That way, so that they I mean, recognize I, that, hey, we need to do something different. I think that's legitimate, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an inconsistency in the system that, that I think we can, we can point out and say, wait a second, you're, you're, you're missing a whole, I feel like a marginalized, you know, people group here. I've been left out of the Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. We're discriminated against. Well, and, and, and so, you know, that, those, are, those are good and proper things for us to do. And remembering, okay, you know, if I get to talk to someone about this, I could have a conversation with them, I want to see if I can get to Christ. 
All right, here's why this matters to me, because God made these people in his image, and they're precious. And, and I want to I be a, a light in a dark world who's helping people understand that how God made them is good and right. They have purpose and meaning and dignity. And so, so always trying to think, like, is there a way to get to that next step? Um, but, but I think that, I mean, that's, that's a great example, Mike. So those are some of the toughest issues. What's that? One of our new engineers put at the bottom of her accolade and her signature thing. She goes by. Her, she, her. Yeah. The general manager wrote a little letter. Everybody needs to leave all their acronyms off their Yeah, that's good. Titles. That's good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Right, yeah. She's poking the bear just a little bit. Yeah. go That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, right, right. I want to be clear. That's good, Mike. Yeah, so we, we refuse, you know, to, to bow to the agendas, right, and, and to, to, to do things that we're being forced to do that we know are against Scripture and, and against conscience. And that's where I, I just want to encourage us as members of the body of Christ. Uh, at when one suffers, all suffer together, right? We weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. And like in Acts chapter 2, when the believers were giving uh, of their own resources and means to contribute to the needs of the saints— if you, if you are in a place where you're going to lose your job because of this and there's not other options, that's where you need to let people in your small group or in your ministry or your elders know, hey, I'm about to go through something really serious here and, and I don't know what to do. And that's where as a church, we, we need to be ready to rally around one another so that, and, and here's, here's what happens, John 13, they will know that we are Christians by our love for one another, right? So when a Christian suffers and they're, they're going through a hardship, and the church family takes care of those people and helps them and supports them, even with their own finances, that is a, a beautiful testimony, right? That's a glorious thing. So, so we just need to be ready for that because we could very well find ourselves in an Acts 2 chat kind of uh, culture and scenario very quickly where it's illegal to talk about the things that we're talking about, uh, that we can't gather as a church. Uh, I mean, it's not impossible that that could happen. Uh, but as a, as a family, a, a community of believers, we're going to support one another and help each other in that regard. So when it's good. Say not if, but when. I, I think so. Yeah, and, and I think that's very likely, Judy. Yeah. So there's there's a whole section here on how to engage others, namely the LGBTQ person. Um, man, there's 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 so such good stuff here, and this is largely from Christopher Yuan's helpful uh, little book there. I think uh, maybe just as we close here, I just want to maybe close with this. <clears throat> Do we have a couple minutes? Uh, we basically have no minutes. Um, that first section there, I think, is a helpful comparison. If you've ever ministered to a, a Muslim person, you know that if you want, if you have want to have any hope of having a follow up conversation with them, you can't just go swinging at Muhammad or at the Quran because those are at the very center of who they are. But not not just their religion, but they are just like we are. They're, they're identifying themselves as a Muslim. This is my life. This is my culture. This is my community. This is my whole world. And as you think about a person in the LGBTQ world and, and sins, it's the same thing, right? It is the same kind of deep and embedded in their soul kind of issue. And so if we just come out saying, well, you know, the Bible says that, that uh, gay people go to hell, right? And, and, that's, and that's where we leave it. And we're just angry about it door closed, right? So what the encouragements here are, are think about if, if you were to build a relationship with a, with a Muslim person, you would ask them lots of questions. You would not rush uh, to point out where they're wrong, although you will eventually do that, right? You will, and you're ready to do that. 
but you establish a relationship with them so that you have multiple opportunities to follow up with them, to speak truth to them, uh, just like uh, you, so with an LGBTQ person, just like you might with a Muslim, because uh, even though it's not true, I don't know any, just like he says here, I don't know any genuine born again Christians who hate LGBTQ people. That is often their perception is that we hate them. And we despise them and, and, and we, just, we just want them to disappear. But do we? No, we don't. We love them. We, we care for them. We, we know that they have souls that, that need to be saved. Uh, and so we need to be patient in building relationships. We don't need to rush to point out how they're wrong or how they're living in sin, although they are living in sin and we know that. And that's probably not going to change overnight, although is it possible? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. God can regenerate someone in a second. That's, that's what he does. But if our hope is to lead a person in these sins to Christ, we need to establish a relationship with them, a love for them, an affection for them, and and pray that God would continue to open doors. So um, maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll send these things in an email to you here. And we could, if you have other questions, you want to dialogue more about these things, there's so much more to say, but we need to, we need to wrap up. Um, so... Just know that as, as your elders, as your church, we're praying for you. Uh, we're praying for our whole church in these things. I know that many of you feel the, the pressures of these things more than I ever will in, a, in being employed by a congregation um, because you're living in the world. And we're, I'm thankful that God has you where he has you to be a light uh, for, uh, in a dark world where he has you to preach Christ, to proclaim the gospel, and by God's grace to see people saved out of these sins, to be saved out of this delusion for God's glory. Let's pray together. Father, we want to show the beauty of the gospel, uh, not only uh, in our church, in the four walls of our church, in our homes, but we want to see the beauty of the gospel uh, displayed in the transformation of uh, souls in our world. And in particular, as we're thinking now to those trapped in the LGBTQ sins of our day, um, and Lord, as, as uh, Christopher Yuan in his book says, no matter what people cling to of all the fool's gold in the world, money, fame, power, uh, career, happiness, even a relationship, nothing comes close to the joy and satisfaction of a life fully surrendered to you, O oh God. And so we pray that you would work mightily in our midst. I pray for our students, that you would give them courage, you'd give them compassion and boldness, you'd give them uh, transparency with their parents to uh, interact with them, uh, to ask them questions, to, ha- to, um, to seek them out as they're wrestling with uh, uh, things that they're hearing at school or in, in the media, uh, social media or in the news. Uh, Lord, it's our job as parents to live and to speak in a way that, that clarifies the truth and that helps our children discern uh, good and, and, and bad, evil and righteousness. And so, Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity to do that. Thank you that you have, you have uh, brought us into the world uh, at this time in history. Lord, we want to be courageous. We want to be bold. We want to do our part to reach the world and the nations with the gospel, uh, to, to stand up for what is good and right. We want to see the world transformed by Christ. And we know that ultimately that will happen, Christ Jesus, when you come again and you, uh, you deliver us from, from all evil and all um, sin, but we know that you have great plans for us to use us in the, um, the mission of the gospel. So help us to be faithful in that.
pray for my dear friends here that you continue to equip them and strengthen them and, and sharpen one another in these things as well. Amen. Amen. All right, two things that I'm going to do here before we go. I'll send you the rest of these notes here, although you have them there. But a second thing is, is it okay, Gina, if I just use your name briefly here? So Gina was a school nurse uh, and has interacted in, uh, lit, worked there for, for I don't know how many years, four years, and, and sent me some really helpful guidelines for uh, interacting with public or I think probably charter schools to some degree, but if, if your kids are in public schools, here's kind of like five or six categories of things to think through, conversations to have with administrative employees, getting to know your teacher, understanding uh, their nurses and how they're trained, the counselors, how they're trained, how they're interacting with students, and what things you really need to be aware of. And that maybe if you've got, maybe you've got a neighbor who's a Christian whose uh, kids are in public schools, you could share this helpful information with them. And um, maybe I'll interact with you, Gina, if you'd like maybe to kind of leave, leave your name off of some of that stuff. If I send it out, if that'd be okay, but I'll follow up. So really helpful um, insights to kind of what's going on in the school system that, that isn't, uh, isn't, you know, maybe as in full force here, but is coming. And even in El Dorado Hills. Um, so anyways, super helpful stuff. I'll send that to you all. And I think that'll be a blessing to you. All right. See you next week for Malachi and FOF.